Hayden Locke, President and CEO of Marimaca Copper. Uh, we're developing the Marimaca Oxide project. We just put out a big resource upgrade and I'm dialing in today from the beautiful Santiago, copper capital of the world. And uh, happy to be talking to you again. Hey, yeah. Well, we only spoke last week. <laughs> um, how's the trip? All good? You got this lately? Yep, good, 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 good to be back here. Always nice to come down. Good man. I'm um, good man. Hey, look, we are talking in the context of our uh, contrarian guide to investing uh, week, or a couple of weeks that we're, we're running now. Um, land companies are going to lay out their argument as to why they're a good contrarian um, bet. But we better kind of go back to school and define what contrarian means. What's it mean to you? Well, look, I don't want to. I'm not going to try and give a dictionary definition of it and fail miserably, but um, I like to think of it as, um, you know, I can't remember if it was you, Matt, or, or Warren Buffett who said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Uh, I'm sure. I, I think it was me. It was yeah, me. It was me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that always runs through the mind when you're looking at investments, whether they're good value or bad value. And I think that really is an underpinning of the contrarian um, investment psyche where you're looking hard at has anything changed when the current is going against you and um, you know do, do you believe that the pendulum will swing back at some point in the future for an for an investment which is out of favor for whatever reason you know and if you look at commodities it's a hugely cyclical business and so you have to be contrarian um, you can still make money trading the trend is your friend you can still make money with momentum but actually the the best money is to be made by uh, taking the view that the pendulum will swing back at some point. And we've seen it many times um, for many different risks, coal being a big example. I know it's a dirty word, but if you were uh, able to get into the coal um, sort of commodity 12, 18, 24 months ago, you would have made exceptional money. Same with lithium. I know that you're a big advocate of lithium uh, two years ago. And, uh, you know, potentially we're seeing that in copper right now. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's right. Look, it I would say this, with contrarian investing, it's difficult. It's difficult because, yes, you need to be brave, but, yes, you also need to be intelligent about the way that you go about making these investments. You know, spotting those trends early is, is a secret source here. But the trouble with moments like this is all companies come off, the good ones and the bad, right? And differentiating between those is really important because there's no point in piling in and say, I've bought a hugely discounted stock here, but the company fundamentally doesn't stack up, hasn't got the legs to actually come out the other side of the cycle and do something. So let's look at those, what those, what you think those features are, maybe even how it applies to your company. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The real challenge to being successful in the sort of taking a contrarian view, especially in resources, is to pick the best assets. And I remember I was working for a gold company, Papillon Resources, uh, made an exceptional discovery in Mali in West Africa you know, delivered a huge resource and then the gold price tanked and then we had two coups in Mali and the share price went from $2.50 to $0.50 cents, uh, virtually overnight. And I remember speaking to the chairman of that company who's, a, you know, a, a, an exceptional mining investor and he said, the thing you've got to remember is the pendulum will swing back and the best projects always bubble to the surface. There will be always somebody who wants to own this asset at some point and so we have to be patient. Um, and so the key is identifying those projects. And for me, you know, what you I did, did it. For, no, you can't, you can't leave us hanging there. So it went down yeah. to 50 cents. And then what happened? It went down to 50 cents. Uh, and then over time, I mean, the gold price didn't even bounce back. Over time, uh, recovered to the mid dollars and then was acquired by B2 Gold. And if you'd had held your B2 Gold shares following that transaction, uh, you would have made several times your money um, over the following seven years. 
So an exceptional result for long-term holders. I think the key is you need to be thinking long-term. But if we look at the projects, what I look for is, well, can it be financed? So, you know, that's that's a function of either relatively low capital cost or partners that can help you finance that. Um, Decent jurisdiction, although that's not necessarily the biggest driver of my um, investment thesis. I I don't mind going to some more aggressive jurisdictions. Uh, But then... You know, looking at a project that is relatively low, structurally low mining costs. So if you're an open pit, low strip ratio. Grade, I know we always talk about grade is king, but grade is king is not king by itself. You have to consider everything together. So strip ratio relative to grade, relative to metallurgical recovery and all of those costs um, going into it. Um, And then really it's return on investor capital for a project. You need a margin of safety. We talk about margin of safety in every other investment type. So you're looking at, uh, you know, 20 plus percent IRRs in a reasonable commodity price assumption um, is you know, sort of the basics that I would start screening decent projects on. If they tick those boxes, they're worth a, a bit more of a look. Um, and then, you know, when the opportunity presents itself like it is now, the baby is being thrown out with the bathwater, then then is the opportunity. But you do have to have the courage of your convictions to do it. So, so let's, let's, let's kind of break some of those things down. So let's look at the, the, the kind of fearful component in the market at the moment. Obviously, you know, most metal prices have been on a bit of a rip. They've come, come off a little bit rec- recently, but that's that's kind of um, metal cycles rather than market cycles. Um, yet the markets have come off a lot Right. So that, that kind of downward negative momentum risk off environment is, is, you know, affecting everyone at the moment. So the, the companies that I think you're suggesting, the companies are likely to be able to see the way through this. Once I've got money, got access to money and reasonable money, cheap money, not some, not some kind of giving, giving away all the upside as it were, because cost of money is a really important part, part of this. Um, and we also talk about decent management teams and decent assets and all the things that you've just laid out there. But what are the what are the things that perhaps the not so good companies also have hindering them? Can you can you think of you know? I guess I'm, I'm looking for clues as to when I'm looking into a company. Apart from things we always said, what what else is missing? Part of that the, the ingredients in there. Well, you know, you, you've obviously got to do your research on the management teams as well because um, I jokingly say. You know, my, my wife likes to joke about me having a job in the mining industry that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Um, you know, there is a lot of variability between management teams and, um, you know, you're, you are in the end of the day backing a, a person or a group of people to uh, execute on a strategy to create value for you as a shareholder. And a big part of that is not diluting you to the ends of the earth, managing the money uh, when things are tight, um, raising money at opportunity opportune times and limiting dilution. So that's a big factor. Um, that's a really hard thing to actually be able to do well, I think. And that's a key, that's why investors like to sit down and meet you face to face and hear what you've done and what you've been involved in and, and you know, mistakes that you've made in the past and have you learned from them and all of that sort of stuff. So I think that's a very big one. Um, jurisdictionally, obviously, there's a huge, there's been a huge change in certainly the ability to get things permitted um, across the board it doesn't matter which jurisdiction you're in and so having a good thorough understanding of what the environment is like for a specific project because it is very different for every project there is no cookie cutter you cannot say one project is the same as the other they all have their nuances that need to be considered um, so I think that's a very important part of you know identifying good from bad because things can look great on paper 
um, but in, you know, if there's no chance that it's ever going to move through uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, under a glacier um, in the in the South American context or you know in a jungle in the Indonesian context, then it becomes very challenging to realise the value. You may realise, get lucky, and realise the value, but it's more challenging to realise it um, successfully. So again, just thinking of like, I want you put your like investor hat on. You also invest your own money. Um, is I, I, I always wonder about people who kind of make their mind up and then stick with it no matter what. I always say, I always say if there's new data, it's a time for a new decision. And that decision could be, I'll stick with what I've got, but at least you've thought about it. Or it could be, actually, i got to get out of here. Um, given the hugely depressed state of stocks, we've seen a lot of people, you know, selling out and taking, taking cash earlier on in the year. Well, you know, well done then. Um, people like sticking with the stocks that they've got and um, because they're slightly fearful of, you know, when to sell. They're hoping it'll come up the other side, whatever they're, they're thinking. But how do you view, for retail, retail investors predominantly, not, not institutional guys, how, how do you view um, the right time to sell and maybe get out and jump onto another horse? Because you don't want to ride this all the way down and then find you're on one of those horses, which quite frankly is never going to come out. The other side, if it does, it's going to be hugely impaired and its ability to you know, create value is going to be hugely impaired. Is there a right time or a wrong time to sell? Is it better to take a 30% loss than a 50% loss in a year's time? Yeah, well, I mean, this How is the age-old the age game is the psychology of, of actually you know, crystallizing that loss is the most challenging thing for an investor to do. I agree with you 100%. You've got to be reassessing constantly the new information that comes and um, thinking about it in the terms, you've got to be thinking long-term. I think that's the other aspect that's probably missing in our discussion is you can't be thinking that this is going to make you money. This strategy is going to make you money overnight. You have to be willing to invest and wait for the pendulum to swing back in your favor, which my experience tells me, my limited experience tells me it almost always does. If you believe, if you have a very good thesis and, you know, for us in copper, I don't think the thesis has changed at all. We've we've hit one of those hiccups in the road, which is um, something that we didn't foresee in you know global inflation. Um, but I think in the long term, five, ten year horizons, um, the chance to make exceptional money is is very good. Okay, so so, so let's this right. So let's bring it back to you because it, it you know you are off your fifty two week highs clearly. In fact, you're you're somewhere in the middle, right? You're from your old. You know, 52 week loads, 52 week, you're somewhere in the middle right now. So you, you, you kind of, you kind of got a, a discount of being applied to you despite the copper thesis, despite growing your resource and, you know, despite moving through the economic study, um, phases, et cetera. So, th- so therefore you would argue, Hey, we are discounted. We're actually a really, really good buy. So what are the things that you think you've got right that you haven't been rewarded for, but you will at some point in the future? Argue that case. Well, look, we've we've delivered um, a huge amount of value in the last two years, and really we've we've stayed pretty steady in terms of our share price over that period. Um, you know, we had a, a, a bit of an uptick there early on in the ride, but it's remained pretty consistently sort of in this range. Um, while we've added quite significant value in terms of de-risking from a technical perspective, but also you know this resource upgrade that we put out. Uh, if you just look at it in the cold, hard light of day, it's a 65, 70% increase in contained metal tons. Um, we will probably increase the scale of the project and bring forward cash flows. So it's arguably a 
at least a 50 to 60% increase in project value with almost no share price movement. Um, so, you know, I think it's pretty clear what we've done that, that should have added value. Now, there are other structural constraints with our company um, that potentially make it more challenging for large institutions to buy us. And, um, you, know, you know, that's certainly something that we'll need to address um, in future capital raises. Uh, but I think, you know, all of the work that we've been doing has been materially de-risking this project and adding an incremental value um, that we cl very clearly haven't been rewarded for. Um, but I, I don't think we're on our own in the copper space at the moment, given what's happening. But okay, so from what you're saying, okay, the copper thematic, I'm, I'm buying that, and you, you've you, you've done a lot with your project. Is it a case of all copper projects are equal um, because the thesis is that good, or is is the reality some copper projects are going to be better than others? I mean, how how would you allocate your your uh, copper investment portfolio? Yeah, clearly, I mean, clearly, they're all projects are not created equal and we bang on about Maramaka's uniqueness um, in terms of being a development stage copper project that is relatively short timeline to production, uh, relatively easy to finance as a standalone company, much lower risk um, in virtually every aspect than the vast majority of our peers. So it's certainly differences from projects. Um, you know, from my perspective, it's uh, you know, I would be looking at Maramaka is my development project. That's the one that I've, I want to have exposure to. So I'm not looking at having exposure to any other development stage projects. Uh, then you start looking at the producers and where do you want to play in the producer sphere? Um, I personally like to have a lot of talk uh, to commodity price, which means you tend to, would be tending to buy maybe higher cost projects, although again, that's a minefield with higher costs and how things are reported. I use the example of Atalaya, you know, their all in sustaining costs appear to be higher, but actually, uh, in my opinion, they report a more truthful version of all in sustaining costs than many other companies uh, in the space. And so arguably, you have more confidence in the cash flow that they're going to deliver. So there's an example um, of a company with high operating leverage to us to a change in the copper price. Um, on you know severe severe price pressure on their share price right now, so that's one example of a company that I would be looking at. In Chile, Capstone obviously um, often quite significant significantly from its highs. So I prefer to play um, if I was to invest. I mean, you could buy all of the majors first quantum, and you would have done exceptionally well um, over the last two years investing in those. Uh, but I tend to prefer those companies with uh, you know very strong management teams and high operating leverage to the commodity price that I'm looking to get exposure to. Okay. And what, uh, th thanks for that. I appreciate some good names in there, actually. Um, for you guys, the, the, the growth component, was managing when you kind of get go out there with growth-type stories, because some of these are not getting rewarded at the moment. I know you've got ca your cash in the bank and you're kind of getting on with the process here, but your expectation around market sentiment changing because you know industry is driving this you know ev industry is a you know big topical discussion at the moment and i, I get coppers bigger than that in terms of um, infrastructure play but what's your expectation on, on how you need to time the market which aspect with regards to what with regards to you know what you're doing and how how you kind of insert your own stories your own kind of growth growth stories or you know how, uh, however you want to frame these things um, in whether it be news releases or otherwise are you in control or is it the market no I think we we really you know it's a 
I think it's a it's a difficult game to, to play to try and time the market, and so hence why I always say, you know, it's great we put out a resource, the market didn't react, we're plenty funded, we're just going to keep our head down and keep delivering news flow and keep de-risking and keep talking to you and keep talking to investors, because at some point the pendulum will swing back in our favour. Uh, you know, the 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 wind will turn, it'll be a, you know it'll carry me down the river, and I, we'll be making good progress. So that's. That's my mentality is I can't time the market. I've got to keep positioning ourselves for when the market turns and if the market turns uh, to put ourselves in a position to get this project off the ground. Um, we're quite fortunate in the case of Maramaka in that we don't need a significant copper price in order to A, finance it, B, incentivise investors to come in. We're going to, it makes a decent return on investor capital pretty much regardless of copper price. Obviously, we much prefer it to be higher, but this is a project that will be built regardless of copper price. Um, and it's just about us moving it as quickly as we can towards uh, that eventual goal. Right, okay. Well, assuming it's all relative um, in a sense. Um, you, can you give us a sense of what's going on in the, in the copper? Sorry, last question. I just want to understand what's happening in the, in the copper, copper market at the moment. Reprice, what your expectations are, you know, what's, what's China's influence on this? And there's the you know, US infrastructure, IRA having any impact on, um, again, your, your take on how this all plays out? Yeah, well, I mean, we, t- we talk a lot about the impact of EVs, and if, but if you actually look at the, the sort of quantity or the percentages of demand coming from the decarbonising world today, it's actually not that significant relative to the old world, you know, economic drivers of, of copper. So, you know, always called it Dr. Copper, it was a good a barometer of what was happening in the global economy and it still very much is that. So I think what's driving us right now is far more a concern and a, gen- a genuine fear across the board that all of these interest rate rises and the, the, the fight against inflation is going to have a significant impact on global economic growth, which will impact all of the old sort of old economy demand for copper. Um, in the longer term, well, again, another sort of interesting byproduct is the news that's coming out of the LME this week with what's happening in Russia. There's a huge tightness of supply already. Um, you know, you're hearing about th- three to four days physical inventory, which is mind-blowing, um, and a ban on Russian exports of copper, uh, which will have certainly a knock-on impact in the global trade. Um, but but the other aspect that's really interesting is, um, you know, Cadelco sets a premium for grade A cathode that they're delivering. It's at all-time highs. So an indicator that the market is tight, that, that Cadelco can do that. The other really interesting uh, piece of news that came out was uh, out of a European company, an Austrian company, who I can't remember the name of, who is pricing a low-carbon copper. And I remember we had this discussion about positioning ourselves for the future and our view that we thought at some point there will be a carbon tax and at some point it will be important that you can trace through to where your, you know, where, what your carbon intensity per pound of metal produced is. Uh, but they are talking nearly a $300 premium or roughly 3 or 4% on today's copper price premium for low carbon copper. And I think that's really you know, quite an indicator of what might occur in the future as, as this sort of uh, decarbonisation really starts to take hold and, and the, the investment really starts to take off. Right, exciting, exciting times. They say really, really, really tight. Um, you, will you be joining the... Is, there's an LME 
conference on next week, isn't there? You're going to be there? So there's the FT you... conference at the end of this week. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm down in Chile, so I can't make it yeah. to, to that one. And then I'll be, but I will be in LME week, seeing uh, seeing all the people and hearing firsthand from the traders what they see in the, in the crystal yeah. world. Well, come and tell us all about it. Maybe come on the battery show um, and tell us all about that. that, that that'll be fascinating. I'll, I'll be wandering the corridors myself, so I'll hopefully see you there. Um, good luck in Chile. Um, you, and what's the purpose of Chile? You, you're down there, just meet, meet the team? See yeah, things are going? Got, uh, we're in the planning phase for the, for the permit applications, and as you know, it's a very, uh, quite a significant piece of work for us. High risk, um, hugely value additive for the company, but... You know, we want to make sure that we've um, covered it all off. So it's an all all parties meeting in the office tomorrow to go through the strategy, who's got responsibility for what, and then the timelines to deliver it. Nice work, Hayden. Okay, thanks for um, making time for us this morning. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Matt.